0: You can't do anything, you cannot plan anything. The time kind of stopped at this point, you know. People do not count days and dates. They're thinking only about survival.
1: This is Voices of Ukraine, a podcast from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. I'm Masha Udensova brenner the Institute's media manager. Each week, we share stories from our community about lives upended by Russia's war on Ukraine. The voice you just heard is Antonina Bityzevenko. She taught Ukrainian at Columbia University's Slavic department for almost 10 years, until she moved back to CAVE in 2008. She was working in the linguistics department of CAVE Polytechnic University when Russia invaded. Like many conversations on this podcast, Ours took place in the early stages of the war, just 12 days after it started. Hello? Hi, Antonina. This is Masha from the Harriman Institute.
0: Oh, hi, Masha. How are you doing?
1: I'm okay. How are you doing? Well...
0: As the rest of Ukraine is doing it these days, it's horrible. War. It is something you know I would never expect to be involved in. The streets are empty, people are running out of the country. You hear explosions all the time. This is horrible, Mash.
1: I'm so so sorry. I'm wishing you so much strength and safety. Where where are you located right now?
0: In Kiev. I'm in my home, but I have, like, one more neighbor in the entire building at this point. Everybody else is gone.
1: How big is the building? How many people normally live there?
0: Well, it's, like, eight uh, eight apartments, but we have the judicial firm downstairs with a lot of people who are coming back and forth. Usually, there is, like, movement of people, mm-hmm. you know, and now... You don't see anybody.
1: And do you go to the subways, the bomb shelters at night?
0: Well, we have a bomb shelter downstairs in the basement. It's not like the real bomb shelter, but hopefully it works out. We are quite far from the metro station, and uh, it, it is not a good idea to go outside when it's bombing. Actually, now it, it, it is the alarm about the air threat. I don't know uh, if it will be something uh, real at this point, because when they start the alarm, you do not know what direction they will take. So you have to be prepared, you have to wait, and then it could take an hour or hour and a half, and then they will uh, send a message that the bomb threat is not active anymore. And you have, like, seven, eight times a day uh, this uh, bomb threat uh, alert.
1: Mm. And
0: I have to tell you that for civilians, it's pretty hard to live with.
1: Where were you when the attacks first started?
0: I was home and uh, myself and my neighbors, we heard this signal and we had to rush downstairs into the basement and started to organize the space to, to make sure that we can stay there because before people left... We had a lot of elderly people here and kids, cats and dogs, and everybody was in the same room. It, it was a nightmare, I have to tell you.
1: In the days leading up to the war, did you ever believe that anything like this could happen?
0: No, no. I I, I think that this is something that no one on the surface of, of Earth would think of. I think that it's only sick consciousness of this uh, dictator Putin could uh, give birth to such idea, to start the real conventional war on the ground. He's bombing civilians. He's bombing hospitals. He's bombing churches.
1: After the Soviet Union collapsed, Ukraine was the third-largest nuclear power in the world. It gave up those weapons to Russia in 1994 in exchange for a guarantee of security from Russia, the UK, and the United States.
0: I thought that Ukraine gave such an example, a goodwill, when it gave up its nuclear weapon to Russia that I thought that after that demonstration of the readiness to live in peace and to practice the uh, peaceful politics, I thought that nobody would be able to start the uh, real war. But apparently it is not so.
1: Can you describe a little bit what your days have looked like since the war started?
0: Uh, You wake up, you have uh, your friends calling Uh, You and you are calling them. You know, it's a big panic here, Masha. People are lost. They're afraid of the future. You know, you cannot use light. You cannot go out after 8 o'clock. And before uh, 7 o'clock, you cannot go out during the uh, weekends. You're supposed to stay uh, inside because it's dangerous. Everywhere you have people with guns and uh, all that creates very heavy atmosphere, very hard climate around you.
1: In the first days of the war, a close friend of Antonina's lost power because of the shelling and brought her two young daughters and big dog to stay in Antonina's apartment.
0: There was this bomb threat alert, and we moved downstairs with my neighbors, and we tried to Arrange places to sit, to put some food, because it was four hours to sit there. And then we were going to buy water, to buy medicine, to understand what's going on.
1: Antonina's friend and her children stayed with her for only a few days. One of the daughters, who's 11, was crying constantly, refusing to eat. They tried to go to the suburbs to find safety, but the shelling reached them there, too.
0: They were in the basement. The ceiling cracked because of the fire outside. And after that, my friend made a firm decision that they have to leave. She has to take kids out of this hell.
1: They got in a car and drove west. Days later, they made it safely to Brussels.
0: They said that they were accepted so warmly there, and people were so nice and generous, you know, and kind. After all this, all this nightmare, they said that it was, it was like a haven for them.
1: But Antonina continues to stay in cave. She's helping the elderly who cannot leave, going to the apartments of friends who evacuated and giving away the food they left behind searching for documents that friends forgot when they packed in haste. And did you ever consider leaving?
0: Well, I did. I did. But I don't know. My son is here, and he used to be in the territorial defense the first week. Then he caught the COVID infection, hard version of a COVID infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he came home, and now he's sick. He stays separately, but uh, at least I'm uh, nearby and I can support him with uh, some supplies, some food, some water.
1: Antonina's son is 37. He has no combat experience and was working as a freelance music composer before the war started. I wondered how Antonina felt when she found out that he was joining Ukraine's territorial defense force a network of volunteer militias that formed after Russia's annexation of Crimea and invasion of Donbass in 2014. The Territorial Defense Force has grown exponentially since Russia started its full-scale attack in February. How did you feel when your son registered?
0: I, I was scared, you know. Uh, I was proud of, uh, of him, of course, because he did it in, in the first day uh, of the aggression. But a, a lot of people are there, and a lot of women are there. They are civilians. Uh, They were equipped with guns, but that's it. They do not understand how to put themselves in the safe position. And if they do not have helmets and uh, vests, then we can consider them the uh, easy target. Too easy, you know.
1: When we spoke, Antonina didn't want to leave CAVE, to leave her son
0: I hear the bombs explosions all the time, and when they're bombing, you can see the lights, and it's a nightmare that you live through. But I didn't see real soldiers on the streets, and I didn't see the tanks here yet. Maybe if I do, then I will move out of here. Maybe I have to, I don't know.
1: Thank you Antonina, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me.
0: Thank you very much, Masha. Have a good day. I'm glad you called.
1: In early April, a few weeks after I spoke with Antonina, Russian troops started their retreat from KU. They weren't able to take the capital like they wanted and it looks like they'll concentrate on eastern Ukraine for the time being. But there's no guarantee that the attacks on Kiev won't start again, and civilians are still at risk from landmines left behind by Russian forces. For now, though, things are relatively quiet, aside from the occasional air raid siren. Businesses in the city are reopening, and the university where Antonina teaches has started up classes again. Antonina is hoping that the West will finally send more heavy weapons to help Ukraine defeat Russia. In the meantime, she's happy that her son is slowly recovering from COVID, that they no longer have to hear explosions, and that most nights she can sleep in her bed again instead of the makeshift basement bomb shelter she was spending her nights in. If you're looking for ways to support the people of Ukraine, please consider donating to RazomForUkraine.org. That's R-A-Z-O-M for Ukraine.org. Thank you for listening to Voices of Ukraine from the Harriman Institute at Columbia University. I'm Masha Densiba Brenner. This episode was written and produced by me and edited by Lisa R. Cohen. The music in this series is by Ivan Nebesny who's currently in Lviv. We wish him, Antonina, and all the people of Ukraine safety and strength. Cover art by Victoria tendler Krilov. A huge thank you to Jordan Waller, Marko Andrechek, and Nathan Schiller for their feedback on the episode. If you like the show, please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave us a review.